Welcome to Unsupervised Learning, where we bring members of the Merlin Mind team together to talk about artificial intelligence, technology, and education. We hope you enjoy these conversations and learn something with us. Let's learn. Okay, Ravi Koku, welcome to the show. This is a really important episode because we here, we're here with our chief technology officer, Ravi, and we're going to talk about Merlin Mind and privacy and security and how we have thought about that from the beginning of our company to now and how we're thinking about it going forward. So Ravi, can you just introduce yourself and tell us what does it mean to be the chief technology officer at Merlin Mind? Sure, Levi, thank you. Um, so yeah, I'm a technologist at heart and um, I do a lot of uh, um, architecture and uh, uh, design decisions uh, at Merlin Mind. I'm a computer scientist by background and I've done a lot of networking and operating systems research um, in the past. And I've also applied uh, AI technologies in education over the last seven years now. Okay, wonderful. So let's dig in there. Today, the topic of conversation is going to be education, AI and education, voice technology and education. So let's start with why education? Why are you focusing your life and all of your effort for the last seven, eight years, and uh, and today, in particular with Merlin Mind, on education. Yeah, so our goal at Merlin Mind has been to make AI solutions that assist in making human processes more efficient. And we think that education is a space where human processes are most impactful. Um, especially education touches everyone's lives in the knowledge economy of today. and. Uh, and teachers specifically play a significant role in the education process. So at Merlin Mind, we believe that if we design the technology really well, it can assist in making the teachers productive and less stressed and more connected with their students in classrooms. Okay, love that. Let's actually like go back and even just touch on some of those things. So what does it mean to make these processes easier to automate them to simplify them like what does that actually mean for a teacher just like talk me through like you're in a classroom you're a teacher what are you dealing with that is so overwhelming and why could ai help simplify some of that yeah it's a it's a very um uh, very interesting question of exactly what happens in the teaching process the moment a teacher enters a classroom right uh, imagine especially in a k-12 environment where there are 20 to 30 uh, kids in the classroom right and the teacher's job is first to make sure that the classroom is organized to even start imparting the lesson, right? And then she has to set up all the technology that she needs to even begin the process. And then she, as she goes through her lesson, right, she's actually having to juggle between uh, any number of applications before the lesson is, um, uh, is completed. It can include uh, showing videos, showing uh, specific content, specific exercises, running assessments, right? There's a lot of work that happens in the classroom during that process. Um, if teachers get busy trying to deal with this technology, switching between all these different technologies, there's a very high chance that they lose control of the classroom, right? So this is why I think the, the um, the jobs to be done in a classroom are very important and any assistance that we can provide to teachers in order to make that process processes more efficient right can be highly valuable to make these teachers very um, effective and also less stress uh, in the in the process okay great so the whole foundation of our company is basically we believe teachers are incredible at helping students learn but so much gets in the way and so we're going to use ai 
and some of the best new technologies like voice technology that allows teachers to interact more naturally with computers and technology and applications so they can focus on the students and teach and use technology very naturally and simply to accomplish their goals. So let's yep. now talk about why is that difficult specifically in terms of building cutting edge AI technology for education? Yeah, totally. You already touched on one of the most important problems of the field, right? There are many challenges in uh, classrooms, uh, especially in K-12 classrooms, right? Um, with both adults and children being in the, in the environment and there is personally identifiable data being captured in the process. And so any technology maker needs to be well aware of what data are we touching uh, with respect to privacy and security? Are we dealing with that data? Right. These classrooms are environments that are very dynamic and so much happens in the, in the classroom. And there are many laws that apply uh, to these environments and uh, we need to be aware and we need to comply with all these laws like COPPA, FERPA, GDPR, there are state specific laws, etc. And the sooner uh, any company takes up focus on privacy and security, the better um, uh, prepared a company is to make sure that the technology is safe in the classrooms. Okay, that's a, a fantastic kind of overview of just how much you have to think about if you're going to build an education-specific piece of technology. Let's Before we go into that, let's just look back a little bit. So I've been at this company now for a little more than three years. You guys founded this a little over four years ago. From day one, privacy and security was something we were thinking about. And I think there's a reason why, right? So I heard you tell stories and other founders, Satya and Sherrod, tell stories about when you first came up with the seed of this idea to bring voice and AI into education, you started telling everyone not everybody believed that this was something that was actually possible, right? Can you tell me more about the response you got from people as you went out and told them? Yeah, it's interesting uh, that by the, by, the, uh, by the time when we started this company, right, uh, voice assistants had already started being in uh, different environments, especially at homes, right? And people were getting used to, um, uh, used to using voice in all these environments. Um, and there were some efforts of taking some of these voice assistants into classrooms and there was news around it saying, uh, oh, this, um, there are so many laws around it, you cannot use it, right? So when we said that we are going to take voice into the classroom, people, people were completely uh, like uh, uh, saying, ah, good luck with that, right? So um, <laughs> there was a lot of skepticism, right? Uh, caution around right, taking this technology. And it's... Um, we were also cautious, right? But at the same time, we were optimistic that if we do things right, we can actually take it into the classroom. And we really wanted to design with that in mind as the fundamental um, uh, starting point. Yeah, I've seen, uh, I'm not an engineer. I'm not building this incredible cutting edge technology that brings voice into the classroom, but I've seen just how much work it takes from our team. What people probably don't understand is we have, an, we have this team of, innovators and technologists and, and creators who are pushing the boundary on everything that's possible technically to make this work in classrooms. But we've had almost equal amounts of effort to make it work in classroom environments from a privacy and security and legal perspective. That's been, uh, it's increased the difficulty of doing this dramatically, right? Uh, but to your point, we believe it's worth it. Can you just go back to like, why is it worth it? In the end of it all, if we accomplish what we want to, what are we going to achieve? And why was all that work worth it? See, ultimately, there are a lot of concerns around voice, right? Like as a, as a parent of a 14-year-old and an 11-year-old myself, right? 
when you talk about any kind of technology in the environment that children are in, right? You always think about, okay, how definitely if there is technology, there is data being, right? Some In some sense, there is data being touched, there is mm -hmm. data being gathered, right? And there will be some implications of that data being, um, being uh, collected or uh, stored, right? Never, um, it's basically making the use of that data responsibly and nothing beyond that, right? If you okay. provide that and you, you earn the trust around how we are handling that data, I think any technology will have a chance, right? To be used anywhere, right? Um, and um, uh, if, you, if you take a step back and look at where the whole um, technology is going, right? The whole voice as a modality, right? Is something that, uh, that has been driving a lot of interfaces in the last um, uh, 10 years, right? And um, in the next five years, if you see, right? Many, many um, solutions will be voice enabled, right? Mm. And multimodal enabled. Um, now, if we, we can actually give that chance to classrooms, right? Right. And that's the fundamental uh, uh, premise of starting this company to say that we want to give the same chance of all these advancements of AI to classrooms. And uh, just so we're clear, when we say multimodal there, what we mean is you can interact with the solution in whatever way is most natural to you. You can speak to the device, you can touch it on a touch display, you can push a button on a remote control, you could type something on your computer, basically creating an ecosystem where you can interact with our assistant Merlin and the automations and the simplification of the workflows that you have, opening things, teaching things, playing videos in whatever is way simplest for you. So that requires integration and data and orchestration across all of these. Let's talk a little bit about data because you mentioned, you said like, People get worried when they think, wait, you're getting my data? That's, that's mine. I don't want you to have my data. But data is a broad term that can mean anything, right? So yeah. let's talk about AI generally. First, before we talk about what we're doing specifically at Merlin, talk about why artificial intelligence is so hungry for data and what kind of data is most useful when you're trying to improve AI algorithms. Sure, yeah. So uh, there, are, there have been a lot of adv advancements in the last um uh, last decade or so um uh, especially with respect to deep learning technologies right the whole point about deep learning technologies is there are these fundamental neural networks of different uh, uh, configurations that take data and learn patterns out of them right and uh, which are once you have enough representative data flowing in through these um uh, through these networks during the training phase they learn enough models of what it means to do a particular job. And so if I, uh, inference, yeah. as a layman, let's say I don't understand what deep learning means. Basically, mm -hmm. if what I hear, what I understand now after learning from you is before you would have had to really be very specific and tell the computer what to do. If this, then that, when you see this, do this thing, you have to mm -hmm. create rules and say, this is how you should act in this situation, but that doesn't scale. And so you're basically letting the computer now learn from a set of data saying, go look at this and learn on your own the patterns and what looks like what and what's similar to what. Is that, is that a fair kind of representation of like the, yeah. the advancement? Yep. Let me, let me give a very uh, specific uh, example to contextualize what you're uh, saying, right? Think of, a, uh, think of a dog, 
right? Okay, a dog. I have a dog. A dog. Yep. Yeah, right. <laughs> the moment you see a dog, the, the number of farms in which dogs are, right? There's just di a diverse number of them, right? Big, small, fat, skinny, uh, black, white, yellow. <laughs> right, yeah. And with all kinds of different backgrounds, right? They could be in any number of backgrounds. So when you say something is a dog, it actually is a very complex process, right? For our brains to arrive at the decision that, yeah, that's a dog, right? Mm. And we, um, our and brains- yet my, learn, my four-year-old, five-year-old, he could recognize any variety of dog, no matter if I, he's only seen one, he would look and say, that's a dog. Exactly, right? Yeah. So our brain actually goes through a very complex process, right? Machines are not there, right? Not, they don't have that reasoning capacity as much as our human brains, right? Mm. But what machines are really good at, right? Especially the deep learning technologies are really good at, if you give enough number of samples of dog images, yeah, they can automatically derive patterns. You don't actually have to say that when it looks, when it looks like this, it's a dog. When it looks like this also, it's a dog. When it looks like this also, it's a dog. You don't have to do all those individual specifications, how their eyes should look, how their ears should look. All those patterns are automatically learned hmm. through this uh, deep learning process, right? So that's the high level idea of what uh, the deep learning process really underneath uh, create patterns of, right? Once you have those patterns, you can um, apply it in any, any real-time context saying, now if I have this new sample, can I say what this new sample is, right? Okay. So the same thing is true for voice, for example, right? To convert speech uh, signal to text in mm -hmm. order to be able to process on a computer, you actually need to give the system enough number of speech samples to, con to be able to convert the voice to the particular text, right? Okay. So over time, it ends up learning, over number of samples, it basically ends up learning uh, the patterns of our speech, of the sound signal that indicates specific phonemes and as a result, specific words and as a result, specific sentences. Yes. Right. Uh, so yeah, I mean, it's, it's, okay. it's, it's another example of deep learning process. Okay, great. So then let's talk about uh, the data that we are actually capturing because when people think of, Oh my gosh, I don't want, or I don't want you to have my data. And that caused a lot of concern. Mm -hmm. And so when you think about bringing voice into the classroom, when everybody told you like, good luck, like that's going to be a problem you can't solve. What's different? Like, what are we actually doing in a classroom? What data do we need? And how are we treating things differently? Because we're Merlin mind built just for education. We didn't build this for the home or the, or the, the car or your phone. Yeah. So, yeah. So like I was saying, it's in general true that the efficacy of uh, AI depends on data, right? And the more representative the data is, the better the performance will be, right? Of any particular technology, whether it is speech recognition, image recognition, or right, any other AI uh, task that you have. But what we leverage, what Merlin Mind Solution leverages is the fact that all these advancements that have happened in the consumer space can actually be directly applied, right? When only contextualized to the the kind of uh, jobs that need to be done in the classroom, right? Mm. Through some kind of uh, um, uh, an over-the-top um, uh, customization, for, for instance, right? Um, learning speech recognition, right, of, uh, of the English language, it actually does not depend whether it's happening outside the classroom or inside the classroom. Ultimately, what the speech recognition is learning is how do you say each individual words? What mm. is the conversion from a signal to an individual word, right? 
Now you take that and you, when you apply in the classroom, you actually don't need any new data to say that, oh, for the classroom environment, I need speech. All you need is, right, that when these words are put together in the context of a classroom, what does that mean? So you don't need voice for that. You just need the context of the class instead. This is a really important point, right? And this is actually a fundamental difference in how Merlin Mind operates. Yep. So an AI company dealing with voice, in most cases, really wants to have the audio recordings of voices so they can improve their models, change their models, use those voice recordings and keep them forever to keep using them and keep iterating on them. And so what did we do differently? What did we decide to do with the audio recordings of teachers and students who interact with Merlin? Yeah, so um, since we are leveraging all the advancements of AI that have happened in the, uh, in the consumer domain, we actually end up leveraging all the models that have already been created, right, for speech recognition. So we don't need data, voice data to train new models anymore. What we just need is the, the context of the classroom and, the, and in, the, in the context of the classroom, when someone utters, you just need the speech signal to convert that into text. Right. And then so, just discard the data, discard the voice data, don't need to store that data anymore. So this is, this is critical, discard the voice data, meaning we made a really difficult choice in our company to say, Merlin's there, you say, hey, Merlin, it understands what you say, hey, Merlin, start my presentation. That start my presentation goes from Levi's audio voice into text that the computer then uses in our algorithms with Merlin to go and start the presentation and do what I asked it to do. But exactly, we, yeah. we decided to delete Levi's voice. You make the command, we delete the audio recording from my voice because we're not going to use that because that's not what we're there to do. That was a big, huge decision in the beginning of Merlin Mind to say, this is what we're going to do differently to make it work in education. And we're off and to the that, right. Yeah. 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 And that one decision really, right, made us a um, um, lot, made the process, right, of adhering to all these laws a lot simpler, right? Right. The moment you don't have voice, right, which is personally identifiable data, right, adhering to the laws become a lot easier. Okay, great. So then let's go on to who controls. So another big part of data and student privacy and security in schools and uh, complying with the laws like COPPA, FERPA, uh, GDPR, et cetera, is whose data is it? So even though we delete the voice data, there's still like a transcript of me saying, start my presentation. Because we are, have been built for education, how do we do things differently? Who controls and owns all the data that we have access to? Yeah, so the, all the amount of data that gets collected, right, uh, actually takes two forms, right? There's one form, so any product that you uh, make, that you take to uh, uh, um, uh, in front of uh, customers, right? You do need some amount of data to be able to provide uh, either uh, the features themselves or support or debugging uh, purposes, right? Um, and in order to provide specific support and debugging um, uh, um, for the, uh, of any of the features for the classrooms, right? You end up having some amount of identifiable data saying that this particular person did utter this command, right? And the system did this, right? So that is an identifiable um, uh, category of data that we don't touch unless someone actually asks for support or debugging. Okay, right? so Levi calls, I'm a teacher, and I say, hey, I was trying to use Merlin in the classroom and I kept saying, uh, pair my device and it wouldn't pair. What was wrong? 
And Robbie yep. as my helper at Merlin Mind says, oh, let me look. And you go into the logs and you look up, oh, I see what was wrong. Like you had a network error. It wasn't connecting to the internet. Let's work on your network connection. That data that you just accessed, we don't use that to improve our product, to improve our algorithms, do anything because that's the school's data. And we only use it for their benefit. Is that correct? That's right. Yeah. And the second part of the data, right, is uh, just the utterances themselves, right, which basically are, um, see, the system is about naturally interacting with technology, right, using voice. And so there are different ways in which, in which people say or ask for different things, right? Like, let's say, if I want to switch between different displays, right, someone might say switch to HDMI, right? Um, or someone else might say that just show my laptop. Someone might say that, uh, get me HDMI one. There mm. are different variants in which people would want to get some service done, right? Get some job done. This de-identified de data that we uh, use, right? Is for identifying those kinds of variants so that the different ways in which teachers want to get their jobs done can actually be uh, improved. Right? So, this, and, so yeah. this means whether it's Levi teacher, Ravi teacher, or all the other millions of teachers that are using Merlin, those commands switch to HDMI, go to HDMI, give me HDMI. All of that comes into a set of data where we look at all of those in combination. We have no idea who said what. Said we it. say, exactly. oh, we need to build our system to better work for all of these different ways to accomplish that goal because lots of people do it in different ways. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So fundamentally, it's, it's to improve the function that the, the, the system that we designed itself right, uh, will provide to the teachers. Okay, great. So then for the data that, uh, that is connected to my device, I'm a teacher, I'm using Merlin, I call and I ask, hey, can you help me with this? We go back and we look at that. Let's say for whatever reason, I say, hey, I don't want you to keep any data from me. Or uh, I'm, I'm leaving this school, can you delete my data? Can they do that? Does the school have control over the data? Or is it our data? So any personal information that is stored, right, for, uh, for the purposes of the, providing the features of the system or for support or debugging, right, any of this information, if the school comes and requests us for the data, we can give it. If the school comes in and says, uh, delete the data, we will delete within a, uh, within a specified amount of time, mm. right? And uh, when a contract with the school ends, we also delete all the, um, uh, all the school-related data that we can identify. Okay, and this is really important, right? Because if you look at some of the fear and concerns over voice and AI and bringing it into the classroom, people often conflate it with some of the concerns in the consumer world and what happened in their homes and on their phones. When we started Merlin Mind, we started it as a company built for education to comply with the privacy and security requests and needs of schools. And so we don't use that data for anything except to support the schools in delivering Merlin to help them and to help make it better for them. And if at yeah. any point they want their data back, they want to delete it, any data that we have collected, it's their data. That's the, we agreed to that in our contract with the school. We're here to serve them. We're not here to make money off that data or use that data in any other way. Is that correct? Exactly. Yeah. And it, that's the fundamental premise, right? Of us saying that, yes, we, we are committed to providing privacy and security for this uh, domain, right? Um, and uh, as a result, right, we do not want to use the data in any purpose other than what we specify to the schools, either as a part of the feature or as a, or as a part of the contract. And we do not sell the data. We do not use it for advertising, et cetera, right? So, so that's uh, 
one of the reasons why it matters to have companies built specifically for education, why focusing on education and bringing AI and technology into education with this intent allows us to do it differently. But let's just look at why it matters, right? That's a lot of extra steps. It's setting up the company correctly. It's building in processes. It's making hard decisions like not to save audio recordings from teachers or students or people using Merlin. Why does protecting privacy generally matter? And specifically, why does protecting student privacy matter? Yeah. Yeah. I think um, like we've been talking about, right? Firstly, it's just the law, right? By law, you are required to provide a number of controls around privacy and security, right? And especially around student data. Uh, but more importantly, and uh, I think it's 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 not just a technical question, but but a question emotional in nature, right? Mm. So we are talking about students here, right? Who are who are the one of the most vulnerable parts of the society, and it is their right to be protected. This is why a law, a number of laws, are placed uh, to protect students and um, uh, student data right uh, before we um, before we do anything with their data um, and it's the right thing to do and we should strive to set an example for all the future generations because very importantly increasingly everything ar around us is getting digitized everything is online right so the more we take steps earlier the more we set a precedence that this is the right way to do it this is the right way to handle data okay thank you for sharing the why Right. I think we often get lost in the contracts, the legal, the legal language, the terms, and, and we forget that there's humans behind both of these things. We have teachers and students exactly. and administrators and parents who really care about their responsibility to safeguard their students, that they have care over and need to be, make sure they're safe. And then on our end, we have humans building this technology who really care about helping teachers and helping students and helping administrators. And we're trying to all work together to do this right so that everyone has access to the best the technology can do to help today. So what would you say to an administrator, a parent, a teacher, or a student uh, who may have concerns about this, who may say, wait a second, you're going to bring a voice assistant into the classroom? Is it safe? Am I okay? Is my data safe? How would you respond to that as the CTO of Merlin Mind who's thinking about this every day? Yeah, uh, I think it's uh, the, um, exactly to your point, right? It's very personal in nature, right? Everyone, is, uh, everyone has um, some association with education, some association with classrooms, right? Either they themselves are in the classroom or their children are in the classroom, their grandchildren are in the classroom, right? So whatever applies in general in terms of laws, in terms of uh, right, best practices, it actually hits back home. Right, mm -hmm. so we really need to be uh, sensitive to that um, uh, that sentiment, right? And uh, the whole premise of this company was exactly grounded, right, in the, in those principles, saying how do we make sure that people will um, feel comfortable using what we develop around them, right? Um, not losing the the possibilities that technology is opening up, and at the same time feel safe that the technology around them is going to remain safe for them, right? Um, yeah, so um, there are a lot of controls that we are putting in exactly to make sure that we deliver on this, and, right? And, uh, and this is something that we think that is very important to make sure that this technology succeeds and really makes classrooms be at the forefront of technology. And we haven't done it alone. 
correct? I've, we, for years now, we've worked with experts in privacy and security, legal experts, subject matter experts in education. And I think this is probably a, just a good reminder that doing these things right takes collaboration with customers. We talk to schools and administrators and IT staff, and we talk to lawyers and we talk to privacy experts because this is an ongoing battle. We're going to be doing this forever, right? Yeah, totally. Yeah. I mean, we, over the last one year, we have talked to legal experts and privacy experts, right? And uh, we have been on top of different kinds of litigations to understand what people are uh, uh, not doing right, right? And understanding what are the laws right, and even understanding how complex the laws are across different states, right, and how different they are, right, and, uh, and answering long questionnaires from different schools, right, and really understanding what are they finally concerned about, right, mm -hmm. and how can we make them feel safe that we will take care of uh, all these things, right, and, um, uh, and uh, we make sure that we're able to help teachers and we um, and they feel comfortable that, right, they want to help the teachers too, all the school administrat administrators, for instance, right, have the innate urge to help the teachers succeed, mm. right, and we want to make them feel comfortable, right, that's when they will buy any technology, um, right, uh, into their environments. And it's a continuously evolving activity, right, both privacy and security um, is uh, not like you can do this and then you can sign off saying everything is done, right? This is a continuous process, but we are committed to getting it right. So let's just look at that. Let's fast forward to next year, five years, 10 years. We're going to keep evolving. We're going to keep changing. Student data privacy laws are going to keep evolving and keep changing. The What technology can do is going to change. How do you see our commitment staying the same? Like, How do we keep going in this direction and doing it right? Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, the, uh, at a fundamental level, Merlin Mines technology is about bringing in multimodality, right? There is, uh, there is uh, uh, the notion of voice plus touch plus um, remote control plus keyboard, right? There's a combination of interaction technologies, right, coming into place, um, which will be a very common place everywhere in the, uh, in the world, right? In fact, voice will play a huge role around uh, around us in the next dec uh, decade uh, plus, right? Um, at the same time, a point that you made a little while ago also in terms of um, previous interfaces, like touch interface has been there for a few uh, decades now, right? Mm -hmm. um, before that keyboard interfaces uh, were there, right? Mouse um, uh, interfaces were there. When they came, right? The previous technology did not completely go away. If you see, right, keyboard technology is very old, but keyboard technology is still there, right? So any new interface that comes ends up blending into existing interfaces. And to your point a little while ago, there are different interfaces that are good for different jobs, hmm. different activities, right? And so even voice will reach a maturity and will coexist with all other interfaces and will be a common place everywhere. In five years, what we want to do is that this interface will be in classrooms also and this advancement that is there everywhere around us right actually is in classrooms also but making sure that it's both private and safe right and uh, yeah in general right the, the whole solution that we are building um, at merlin mine right for teachers being able to be untethered from the computer and being able to move around and being 
close to students, right? With um, while interacting with a com computer through um, a variety of these interfaces, right? Um, it's nothing short of a revolution, right? The, the whole fact that teachers are much closer to students, untethered from technology, right, is a big, uh, big jump for what they currently are, right? And um, even uh, if you talk about all the different kinds of technologies that get used in the classrooms, like applications, right? There are many applications that get used and all those applications can actually benefit from voice interfaces. Mm. And that's where Merlin Mind takes notion of a platform. If Merlin Mind is there, Merlin's devices are in the classrooms, Merlin's interfaces are there in the classrooms, we can pretty much voice enable all those applications safely. So that's our vision. This is a powerful vision. It's an exciting future. I have committed my life to it. You've committed your life to it. We're doing this all day, every day. I just want to thank you, Ravi, for making time to come and have this conversation. And for anyone listening, just want to express how special it is really to get Ravi's attention and focus on sharing this with the world. Ravi has so much to do with building this amazing technology and bringing it to life. But because he's closest to the data and closest to our technology and understands the decisions that have been made and how we've aligned it to work with privacy and security, getting him to have this conversation with me, I felt was one of the best ways for teachers, administrators, parents, anyone who has questions about how we're thinking about privacy and security, you can hear it from the source. We just heard from Ravi the way Merlin Mind approaches privacy and security, why it's so important and why it makes it possible to bring AI and voice tech into the classroom the right way to help teachers. The future looks really bright. I'm very excited about it. Thank you, Ravi, very much for joining us today. Thank you, Levi. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Unsupervised Learning. Until next time, keep learning.